This morning, our sermon series, Walking with Jesus, continues, and today we turn to arguably the best-loved walking story in the entire Bible. It happens at the end of Luke's Gospel, and it is a story where two of Jesus' disciples are leaving Jerusalem after the crucifixion. They are stunned by what has happened, and they start walking the seven-mile journey home to Emmaus. Listen now to God's word to us this morning from the Gospel of Luke. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking, while they were discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood still looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? And he asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This, my friends, is the interior of a 2005 Saturn view. Hands down, the best car I ever owned. Honestly, I hate to admit it, I loved that car. It was only three years old with 20,000 miles when I got it. It handled well. It sat up high, but it was still my size. I could fit all kinds of people and all kinds of stuff in it, but still put it in a compact sparking parking place. I loved that car. And then one day, a truck full of high school cheerleaders ran into me at 45 miles an hour. They were fine. My car, which I loved, was totaled, and I had a broken leg. It really wasn't the best day for me, as you can imagine. But these things happen, right? And with a cast and crutches, then with a boot and therapy, things would get back to normal, right? Only they didn't. I couldn't walk without pain. I couldn't walk without a limp. 18 months and two surgeries later, my leg still wasn't right. 18 months of not being able to, to walk. And I told you last week how I love to walk, not being able to take those long walks that I needed and loved. Having to move for 18 months very slowly and you may not know me well, but slowly is not actually my gear. So when the doctor uh, ran out of options, I became discouraged. It was a kind of death of hope moment for me. Have you ever had a moment like that? A death of hope 
moment, maybe in your schoolwork, maybe in a relationship or your health, in your vocation or with your family, that moment when what you hoped for, what you expected just didn't come to pass, when your dream or vision for someone or something came crashing down, leaving you stunned and breathless. Well, such death of hope moments, they come to all of us. They come to families. They come to churches. And in the middle of such a moment, how can we know? How can we know what God is up to? Because that's the important question, the question we forget to ask. What is God up to? Was my hope, our hope, misplaced? Was this dream of mine, that dream of ours, was it in the way of God's dream? In such moments, such death of hope moments, walking with Jesus makes a tremendous, tremendous difference. Those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were experiencing their own death of hope moment. We had hoped he was the one who would redeem Israel, but he's dead, they're thinking. And as they are in that moment, Jesus shows up, walking right there with them. Listen to what happens next. Moreover, some women from our group, they said to Jesus, astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, oh, how foolish you are. How slow of heart to believe all the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah would suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted that to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. It's almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread, he blessed and broke it, he gave it to them, and then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening scripture to us? And that same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. Suddenly their death of hope moment becomes a moment of pure resurrection joy. Their despair, their false understandings, their doubts are literally burned away by the irresistible force of God's eternal hope. Now, I don't know about you, but I want to examine this a little more closely, don't you? Because that's what I want. <laughs> I want that in my life. I want that in your life. I want that in this church. So let's pay attention to this story. Let's pay attention to the walk of these Emmaus disciples. What does it have to teach us? What's behind the birth 
of real and lasting and everlasting hope. Well, there are a couple of things here to pay attention to. And the first is this. Don't miss the fact that the Emmaus disciples didn't walk alone. Let me say that again. The Emmaus disciples didn't walk alone. As they traveled their death of hope moment, wondering why Jesus had to die, wondering why Jesus didn't redeem Israel as expected, they walked together. They stayed together. They talked about what was happening. They shared their experience. They shared their stories. They provided community for one another. And they were so involved in sharing their stories with one another that when a stranger walks up on the road, they just included him in the discussion. Friends, we are not meant to walk alone. Walking with Jesus always entails walking in community. That's the wonderful thing about walking with Jesus. That's the messy, hard thing about walking with Jesus. It is walking in community. And it's community, community like this church, community like life groups and Sunday school classes and accountability groups that provide the space to share our story, the space to, to even express despair if need be, to ponder together the death of hope moments and ask, really ask the right question. What is God up to here? Where is God in this, in my life, in our life, in our world? The second thing to notice about these Emmaus disciples is as they are walking through this, this moment, this death of hope moment, they dive into scripture. Now they do get a little help from Jesus, which is nice, right? But they dive into scripture. They place their hopes, their dreams, their fears, and their despair in the context of God's eternal story. Their walk with Jesus includes a deep, dive, a long and complete dive, dive, together, not as individuals sitting in a study all by yourself, reading and enjoying scripture, but together reading scripture, diving into God's word. And friends, our walk with Jesus includes such a dive as well. Whatever our questions, whatever our hopes and fears, we have to place them in conversation with God's word. That means we need to spend the time to open scripture, read scripture, discuss scripture, not just with ourselves, that's easy, <laughs> but with one another, together. Then we find a story larger than our own, a story more powerful than our slim version of God's dream. There we find hope enough to support us in every moment, power, for every journey. That's why Jesus took them there to scripture. It's where we need to go as well. But there's one last thing about those Emmaus disciples. You probably noticed it happened at the end when they were at a table, gathered at a table, and bread is broken. And in an instant they are reminded of Jesus' death they are reminded that Jesus laid down his life for them 
and for the world, and suddenly their death of hope moment is bathed in the light of the resurrection. For those disciples, for the first time, they see the light of the resurrection burning the truth of real hope out of their hopelessness. Their eyes are opened and they recognize Jesus, but even more importantly, they recognize the power of God in Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And that power, that power floods their lives and that power gives birth to new hope. Didn't our hearts burn within us, they say. We should have known their thinking. This burn of the heart, (laughs) it's a metaphor for God's hope flooding our lives, flooding our world, burning away old ideas, old dreams, old hopes to make a way for God's new plan. The Emmaus disciples are so filled with this new hope that they literally get up from that table and walk seven miles back to Jerusalem because they want to be part of what God is doing. Just a few days ago, I was walking with a dear friend in Richardson on one of my favorite paths in the middle of a Richardson Park. It's a park I know very well. We decided to take a shortcut through the park because we wanted to cut a couple of miles off of our walk. We were talking and walking. We made the turn to this shortcut that we've taken so many times, and I looked up and I saw this. I mean, what's going on? Um, I walked up to the roadblock, kind of peered around it a couple of times. I didn't see anything wrong with the shortcut, right? So, of course, I'm embarrassed to tell you, I just went right around that roadblock. (laughs) I did. Brought my friend with me, took her into trouble as well, right? And literally, we got around that corner, and there was a 12-foot deep drainage ditch that had been built right across the path. There was no way to go over it, no way to go around it. And we sheepishly had to just turn back. And we couldn't take the shortcut that day. Friends, that's really the last thing I want to share with you this morning. It's a kind of a, a word of caution. And my caution is this. There is no shortcut through death of hope moments. There is no shortcut to the birth of real and lasting and eternal hope. You can probably tell that eventually my leg got better, though if you're really good, you can still see my limp probably every now and then. It got better, but it took a long time, and it took a lot of work. A lot of exercise, a lot of therapy, a lot of in and out of different chiropractors' offices. My leg is usable, mostly not in pain. It's manageable, but it was a strenuous, arduous process to get to the point that I am today. And the same is true, I believe, of our walk with Jesus There is no shortcut, my friends, 
There's no shortcut. God constantly calls us to die a bit to our desires and agendas, to die a bit to our hopes and dreams, so that ultimately God's hope can be born. God works in our hearts, in our souls. He kind of burns away what doesn't work, kind of burns away what isn't true so that the real truth, the real hope that we need and the world needs can be planted and can flow into us and from us. There is no shortcut. There's no shortcut for a church who has lost their senior pastor and doesn't have their next one yet. You have to walk through the transition. It's the only way forward. And this transition time, my friends, is a time for some things to be cleared out, some things to be burned away, so that God's new future, which has already been planted and planned for us, can continue to blossom. There's no shortcut to resurrection joy. Death comes first. And so we shouldn't be surprised that it's an arduous task. The author of Hebrews says it in an interesting way in the 12th chapter. We read part of it. He says, you know, you're running a race. I love that image because it talks about the fact that there's effort here. You're running a race. And you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And you have to do your part. There is no shortcut. And so he says, church, lift up your drooping hands. Strengthen your weak knees. Make straight paths for your feet. Because God has a future so great planned for you, for those you love, for our church. But the only way to get there is to allow God to make the way. We have to let God make the way. Friends, walking with Jesus is indeed walking in hope. And it's not slim, anemic hope based on our own dreams, our own imaginings. It's the strong, eternal hope of the resurrection. And let me remind you, Jesus did not take a shortcut to the resurrection. Amen? Jesus did not take a shortcut to the resurrection but laid down his life for us. And so let's not shortcut God's grace and mercy. Let's not shortcut God's demands and challenges. And by not taking shortcuts, my friends, may our eyes be open. May we die a little more each day to ourselves as we live a little more each day for Christ. That's what the world needs, a church that knows how to give itself away, a church that knows something of deep hope, real hope, a church where when you walk in these doors, you just 
might have your eyes open and for an instant get to see Jesus. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you that you never leave us on the road alone. We thank you that you stay with us when we walk in community, that you stay with us when we dive into scripture, that you stay with us even at table, that you remind us again and again of your great love and mercy. So stay with us in this journey. Walk very closely with us and burn a path in our hearts and in this church for your will, for your hope, for your love to take root.